Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. And I'll ask you again, are you good at following directions? Verse 10, it says, In Damascus there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called him, called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. Not State Street, Straight Street. And ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In the vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him and restore his sight. Lord, Ananias said, I have heard many reports about this man and all the harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call upon your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go, this man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell off of Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning as we prepare to sing. Open our hearts and see the work that you're doing in and around us. Lord, that we might look at others with your eyes, that we might see through the fears and pains, the concerns and cares. Lord, it's humbling that you would use any one of us as your mouthpiece, and yet that is your plan. That was your plan. It continues to be. Lord, use your words this morning in power. That, Lord, we might learn something new. That we might hear something encouraging. That, Lord, we might grow and leave different than when we came this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Ken, you must have given it to me, the sniffles. <laughs> Just kidding. So the question I have for you is, are you good at following directions? <laughs> From who? Does it matter who it is? That you're, so it matters who it is, whether you can follow the directions or not. So if it's from your wife, is it, do you have a harder time following those directions? <laughs> good job. <laughs> Should I ask your wife? <laughs> Equally easy. So this morning, we're, uh, of course, we've been doing a series about the acts of God. And this morning, we're, we're looking at uh, a passage that really is pretty famous for this crazy idea that Saul, this guy Saul, would walk down the road and be blinded by God at that moment in the road and be blind for three days do a 180, humbled, (laughs) 
And God would use him in some extremely powerful ways. It's a pretty exciting uh, story, and I, just so you know, this is not the same Saul of the Old Testament. This is uh, Saul of Tarsus, or Paul, who wrote a good chunk of the New Testament. Um, he was really responsible for taking the gospel to the Gentiles, to us, right? He, he took the next step, and God used him in some really powerful ways, but you've got to remember who, who is, what his background was. This is the same Saul who held the coats of those who stoned Stephen not too long before this. This is the same Saul who had grown up uh, and learned from one of the best teachers that he could learn. He understood theology. He understood the religion. He was a learned man, not something that a lot of would have happened a lot back then. And he even went so far as to go to the priest to get permission to round up the Christians. And that's where he was, that's where he was headed. In this whole, he was getting ready to round up some Christians and get that false teaching out. And as he's walking down the, the road, he's blinded. <clears throat> and he finishes and he goes to that. So that's kind of where, where we jump in today. And there's this guy named Ananias, and I need to set that stage a little bit. Uh, most scholars believe that this is not the same Ananias from Ananias and Sapphira. Just making, I want to make that clear. Um, I, and, and the reason that that is, and I, that uh, Luke wrote Acts and Luke was very clear that there was the man, Ananias, from Ananias and Sapphira, and there was the disciple, Ananias. This is the disciple, Ananias. There's actually three Ananiases in Acts. So I just want to clear that up because um, you hear that word. It's not, it's not like a word we hear or a name we hear all the time. <clears throat> and so when we hear that, we think my, where my head went originally was, how could that be the same Ananias that dropped dead? It wasn't, um, from, all, from all we can tell. Um, but this is a very interesting story because there, there are two calls in this story. There's a call of Paul on his life. There's a call on Ananias' life. Ananias' job, his call on his life is to take the message to Saul and say, We're gonna, God wants to use you. And the call on Paul's life is to take the gospel out. There's also two fears, two very big fears, right? Paul had lost his sight. And although we are able to read it three days later, he got it back. Think for a moment, if you were to lose your sight, would you have any clue whether you could get it back or would, that you would get it back or that you would ever see again? So he went from a very powerful position to a very weak position. And Ananias' strength or struggle was that he was told to take the message to this guy who was out to get him. <laughs> and then there are two responses in this uh, passage. One, Ananias goes. He does what God tells him to do. He is obedient. And Paul, he goes. He gets his sight back. He realizes that God has directed his path, and he goes. And he commits the rest of his life to serving God. This passage, I, I love this passage because um, it talks about obedience. And I don't know about you, but I'm not the best at being obedient. 
uh, I tend to be obedient when it works well for me. Does that make sense? When there's a benefit for me, I'm really good at being obedient. So it's not a lack of, it's not like I don't know how to be obedient. It's that I don't always act. I don't. <laughs> and isn't that how we are in our Christian faith a lot of times? We're obedient when it makes sense to us, but we struggle to be obedient when we can't put all the pieces together. So if I, if, if I like the way it is, or, I, or, or when I'm really in trouble, or if I'm at the end of, I'm really in trouble, God, I'm really struggling, I'm going to be more obedient. <laughs> and as soon as things are okay, I'm backing off and doing my own thing again. Because that's our human nature. And I got to believe that Ananias had some pieces of that in his own life. And yet, God uses him in a powerful way. See, and I think that it's important to understand that Ananias was a disciple. I think it, Luke uses that word in a, in a, and does a good job with it. You know what a disciple is, right? He's a learner, a pupil, someone who follows someone else. He was a disciple of Christ. He understood that he needed to be following uh, what God was teaching. And there's strength in that. And I want to I talk about that a little bit this morning. There's, there's strength in spiritual discipline. We don't always see it that way. But do you realize that foundations are made starting at the bottom? And what you see are like a building. You don't always see all of what's underneath it. My uncle's building a garage. And last week, they dug this big old hole and put some blocks in there. And, you know, it was a good four feet, four feet deep put all the blocks in there. They put all the dirt back in there Thursday, I think it was. I went up there, and then you can, all you can see now is this little layer of blocks, you know, maybe one or two blocks above the grade. Now, next week, they'll put this big building on there. It'll be a nice garage, and they'll finish it, and they'll put siding on it, and they'll paint it, and they'll do everything that needs to be done. And all you're going to see is this one block. You're not going to see a whole lot of what's underneath there. But you know what happens if all that that's underneath there isn't there, right? It, doesn't last, it won't last long. It will last a couple years, but the frost will begin to move it, and the building will begin to shift. Without that foundation underneath, that building will not last. And in our own faith walk, we need that foundation. We need that foundation in our own lives. 1 Corinthians uh, 9.27 says that I beat my body to make it a slave that I can preach to others. We need discipline in our own lives. We need discipline. And we need to look at what we're doing in our lives and evaluate each and everything. Is it bringing me closer to God or is it driving me further away? And I know that that's challenging because I, I get up every morning and I say, does that bring me... No, I don't do that, right? And you don't do that either. We don't want to do that on our own. But if I'm being honest, I'm asking myself, is this bringing me closer to God or is this driving me further away? See, I think that's what discipline probably looks like, right? That's a good dog. That's a disciplined dog right there. I'm not sure how you train your dog to do that. I'm impressed that you can. We're, not many of us are good at that, right? If you put cookies in front of me, Kenny, I, I'm going to eat them, right? <laughs> Kenny said, what kind of cookies do you like? 
what kind of cookies don't I like? That's the question. I mean, there aren't many that I don't like. Oh, those are the best. Grandma used to make those. <laughs> it's hard to be disciplined. It's challenging that to be disciplined in our own life. And that when we hear, I was interested in Ananias here when I, when he, he doesn't get shaken by the idea that God's talking to him. He responds with, yes, Lord. He said, after he hears his, of his name being called, he says, yes, Lord. And then he's told what to do. Go to Straight Street and find, find that Saul and put your hands on him. And I don't think that God just willy-nilly picked Ananias. He picked him because he had discipline. He knew who he was. He knew he was a disciple of Christ and that he was capable and willing to do this. That God had given him a foundation of strength and encouragement that he would be willing to look to do this at that moment. There's a story about the widow's might. And uh, the story is in Mark uh, chapter 12. And it talks about Jesus sitting in the, in the temple courts watching people put money into the offering. And I'm, I'm excited to talk about tithing on, a good side, on the good side because I think it's, ex, it's exciting to me. Um, the widow, as Jesus is watching, he, he sees the widow put in her two mites after he sees all these people dumping in their excess is what Scripture says. And Jesus takes that moment to say, listen, disciples, this is what... Discipline looks like. This is what obedience looks like. They gave from their excess. She gave from what she had. She gave all she had. And so I ask you, who's the better disciple? The widow or the rich people? And that's what Jesus was saying to them that morning. Obviously, the widow, right? See, being, being a disciple of Christ means being intentional. Finding discipline and, and being obedient to God is, is intentional. You need to be intentional. If you're not being intentional in the way that you're living your life, looking for ways to seek and follow after God better than you were before, more honest, more obedient, if you're not looking for those moments and being intentional about those, you won't be the disciple that Christ wants you to be. I believe that Ananias was that person. He was, that, he was following hard after God. And then when God needed someone to take this message to Saul, he was right there. And he heard God's voice. And he wasn't freaked out by that. He said, yes, Lord. And that's one of the struggles we have, right? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, I, I might have heard you. Yes, Lord, I don't know if I heard you. Maybe I ate some pizza and I had a bad stomachache, right? But he was a disciple and he was able to discern that God has, was speaking to him. And so he was able to listen and hear that God was working. And that God had a plan for him, a plan in his life. Secondly, Ooh, I don't know how that got there. That's really weird. We'll talk about that one later. 
The second thing that happens in this passage is that Ananias questions God. He says, are you sure this is the guy you want me to go see? Are you sure this is the guy? You realize who he is, right? You realize he's the guy who's been persecuting Christians. And God says, "Uh, yeah, go. I guess I can appreciate Ananias' honesty. A lot of us are afraid to ask that question. Are you sure, God, that's what you want me to do? Of course, if we ask that question, we're we're a whole lot better at asking our friends and our family. Um, Facebook, some of us like to ask Facebook, uh, our coworkers, even our our own brains. And we don't seek God at all. We seek everything but God to find the answers to the questions that we're, at, that we're asking, to see whether we're supposed to be obedient. We're challenged, and we look everywhere but to God. And I appreciate that Ananias was there. He said, God, are you sure this is what you want for me? Are you sure this is what you want me to do? Are you sure? Because let's be honest, it doesn't make great sense, right? This is a guy, he's asking Ananias to go to a guy who is punished Christians and tell him to change it up, to switch it around. And so God's like, okay, this is who I want you to go to. And he's like, are you sure, God? That's who you want me to go to. Are you sure? Oh, heck, we, we all, sometimes we just Google it, right? Any more of these days, we can Google just about anything. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Gideon. I, I like the story of Gideon. There are a lot of scholars who say, well, Gideon's faith wasn't that strong because he had to put out a fleece. And if you don't know the story, we're going to talk a little bit about the story. So there was this guy, Gideon, and he was, God, God wanted to use him in a powerful way. But Gideon was an Israelite who was from the weakest of, the clan, of his clan, and he was the weakest of the weakest. So he was about as low as low could be. And God said, now listen, you mighty warrior. <laughs> I love that line because he tells Gideon, you mighty warrior. And Gideon's like, mm, yeah, I'm thinking Gideon's looking around like, where is he? Because it's not me. It can't be me. I am the weakest of the weakest, the least of the least. And God says, I am sending you. I'm going to send you and you're going to help me. And we're going to release Israel. Now, what had happened, what had been happening was every time Israel would plant uh, their crops or their, their animals would be out there, others, the, the Midianites would come and steal their stuff. They would tent. It said they tented over top of their crops. They ruined everything. And so they would have to run and hide. And then they would come back. The Midianites would terrorize them again. And it just kept happening over and over and over. And God's people and and. Gideon said, wait a minute. Didn't you say that you were going to take care of us, God? Where are you? And that's where God comes in. He says, listen, you are my mighty warrior, and I want you, you're going to be my mouthpiece. You're going to be who takes care of it. And so I I think, I like Gideon in in that he says, okay, I got a plan. If this is really you, God, now we always talk about the fleece at the end, but there's a lot of fleeces going on before that, right? If it's really you, God, let me go get the sacrifice. (laughs) Don't go anywhere. I, th- I think that's, that's my version, but I think it's funny. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Let me go get that sacrifice. And so he goes and he gets a sacrifice he, and he uh, 
Um, he makes some bread, and he sacrifices. God says, put it on the rock. Poof! He, it's gone. He blows it up, catches it on fire is really what it does. And then he says, oh, it was you. And God says, all right, I got another one for you. I want you to sacrifice another cow. And I want you to tear down the, the uh, uh, altar of Baal and burn it with the Asherah pole, which was right next to, uh, next to it, and use that for wood. Of course, Gideon and this tough guy, he waits till night. Because <laughs> he's a tough guy, right? He waits till at night. He does it in the middle of the night. They wake up in the morning and they're like, whoa, what just happened here? And they find out it's Gideon. And the people in the town are like, we need to take this guy out. He took out Baal's altar. And of course, he is spared. His dad says, well, don't you think Baal can, if Baal is real, he'll take care of it himself. But God wants to use Gideon. And so it gets a little more interesting because now a whole bunch of people from a whole bunch of towns, places come and they cross the Jordan and now they're in the neighbors. Now they're in their, now they're in their land. And God says, you know what, Gideon? I'm going to use you to take these people out. And God, Gideon's like, I, I'm sure Gideon was like, okay, God, but how is that going to work? And that, so Gideon obviously has this um, plan to do these fleece, right? So he's like, okay, God, I got a plan. I'll know it's you if I put a fleece out. And I took, they took a hide of a sheep and he put it out in the threshing floor. And he said, come morning, if there's dew on that and dew nowhere else, I'll know it's you. Then I'll know. Of course, we know what happens, right? He gets up in the morning. He rings it out. There's all kinds of dew on the fleece. There's no dew around. And I, I don't know. I guess I, can, I appreciate Gideon because he says, okay, God, one more time. I just want to make sure. Are you sure? I just want to make sure, God. He says, all right, I'm going to put the fleece back out. Now, today, I want, or tomorrow, if it's you and you, that's what you want for me, I want the fleece to be dry and the the floor around the threshing, the threshing floor to be wet. And of course, we know that that's what happens. And God uses Gideon in a very powerful way. God uses Gideon, <coughs> excuse me, um, to protect and uh, to, to help the Israelites be free. And if you want a chance to read all of that, it's Judges chapter 6 and uh, 7. It's pretty exciting. But God uses Gideon in a powerful way. And in this scripture, he uses Ananias in a powerful way. Not, what they th- not how they thought they would be used, but obviously how God would want them to be used. The scripture in Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God and all his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. I, I think a lot of times that that's not where we're headed and we struggle because we're not headed in the right direction. We're not seeking God first. We're seeking God when it's convenient. And we're seeking God when it seems okay to us or we have no other way to go. But not all the time. And I don't know about you, but when I, when I think about the direction that God is driving my life, Right? And how do I know how to be obedient? I think there are ways for us to know how to be obedient. And one of those ways is to seek him in his word, to look at his word, to be encouraged in prayer, to spend that time in prayer seeking him. 
Does that mean we'll have all the answers immediately? No. Another way is to be in church with our brothers and sisters in Christ. There are reasons we come to church. The last reason is to warm the pew, right? It's to encourage each other to find people that we can be accountable with and we can seek God together with. That's important. See, we are the church, right? It's not about coming for a social event, but it's coming to find someone who you can connect with, someone who you might sit next to, someone who you can ask that question, this is where God, I think, is leading. How do I know? How can I find out? How can I be encouraged to seek God for the right answers rather than my own answers? Ananias took it right to God. He said, God, are you sure this is what you want me to do? Are you sure this is where you want me to go? I appreciate that Paul came up this morning and asked for prayer over the nominating committee. That is powerful to me because I think as a church, we need to understand that those are leaders in this church and that we need to be seeking God first and foremost. Because it's easy to put easy people in positions when it makes sense. And it's harder to put people in positions that God is leading us to sometimes. And we aren't able to see how it works. And yet, that's what God is calling us to. And so I appreciate that, and I would covet those prayers, that that you would pray over the nominating committee. And that if you're called uh, to a position, or you feel that God is calling you to a position in leadership, that you seek out a trustee or a deacon or Pastor Dave or I or someone to share that with and to pray over with. We would rather, I'd love to know today that I could pray for someone for the next two months about a position, that God would lead that in that direction. Because I will tell you that the worst thing that can happen is putting someone in the wrong spot. It's not just the board. This is important. And I, I, I'm, I'm excited that we're going to be praying about that for the next two months because it is important. The leadership of this church needs prayed over constantly. And I would, I would encourage you to pray over that. Finally, Ananias follows through. Uh, I lost my paper. There we go. Ananias follows through by going to the house and finding Saul. I wonder, a part of me wonders, did Ananias take the long route? (laughs) Did he go the long way? Did he shuffle his feet? I don't know. It doesn't say. What I do know is that he went, that he was obedient to God. He went. I don't know about you, but when I'm, I'm walking into that door, there are times when I walk into that situation where I do not want to walk into that situation and I want to shuffle my feet I want to take the long way to get there and I know that each of us have been in that spot but Ananias follows through he follows through to do what God would have him to do he goes and and he even goes to the point of calling him brother Saul pulling him in and saying He's able to see that God is going to use him. Now, obedience shouldn't look like that, right? 
that's just so you know, that's not a healthy. Uh, that may have been how you were when you were a kid, and your parents needed to bend your ear, right? Because you weren't real good at being obedient. But that's not what God wants for us. God wants us to be obedient because we love Him. He wants us to be obedient so that we we can do the things that are best for our lives and to share that gospel with everyone else. What would have happened had Ananias not followed through? God would have done something different, right? But the fact of the matter is, Ananias did follow through. He knew what the message was. God told him to go, and he went. It's been exciting this year to see God working in and amongst us. I appreciate, that's one of the reasons I was encouraged by the answered prayer. I appreciate that we hear, hear about those prayers, those prayer requests, and that we see God working in the midst of those. I want to encourage you that there have been a couple things that have changed this year. Um, we prayed about sword bearers in that group of uh, young people on Wednesday night, and a couple felt called uh, by God to be a part of that. And you know what was really cool about that? They felt called and they heard it. And then they acted on it. They acted on that, that call. And they knew that God would have them be a part of that in some way. And that to me is super exciting because that's exactly what we're here for. Don't we want God to work in our lives in and around us? We, I think sometimes we see ourselves as, well, I'll just kind of do my little thing. Or, oh, I'm retired, so I'm no longer working for company or God. I'm just kind of retired. No, God continues to use us because he loves us and he wants to continue to use us. Obedience requires a spiritual discipline. We need that foundation. And it starts today. See, one of the things that I struggle with is I tend to look backwards too much. I look back and I say, well, you know what? I messed this up. I didn't do this the way I should have. I should have studied more. Well, it's too late now. We need that spiritual discipline. And it starts today. And we need to seek God for the answers to the questions we have. Too often we look for somewhere other than God. Until that moment comes, we have nowhere else to turn. And then we turn to God. And once you hear that message, and you know that it's from God... You need to follow through. You know, God followed through for our be- on our behalf. He sent Jesus to the cross. And if you don't have that relationship with him, if you have never started a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have that friendship, a connection, if you don't even know what I'm talking about, then maybe today's today, the day. If God is calling you to something new, something different, to remove something in your life that's not, productive that's not drawing you close to god if he's calling you at this very moment you need to listen you need to hear that message and be obedient let's pray lord god we do quiet our hearts this morning and we are thankful lord i am thankful that you sent your son jesus to the cross that lord He died on that cross, a perfect man, for each and every one of our sins. 
He died on that cross, Lord, that we might have eternal life. And Scripture says all we have to do is call upon His name. Lord, there's so many things that we tend to add to that. But the act of obedience is to call upon you and ask you into our lives. That's what you ask of us. Everything else will come afterwards. Lord, I ask you this morning that you would guide our hearts. Open us to hear your message in that way. Lord, if, if there's someone here today who needs to be obedient by laying something at the altar, by, Lord, giving up something that's a detriment, I pray, Lord, that you would encourage that this morning. I pray, Lord, for anyone who hasn't had that relationship with you, that you would encourage them, strengthen them, give them resolve. Lord, I pray for those who are around them, that you would encourage them too. In your name we pray. Amen.